Tonight, the science, or should I say the weird science, as it pertains to the Wuhan virus. It's Monday, February 1st. I'm David Menzies, and this is the Ezra LeVent Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say is government Consider yourself lucky if you never got to see Weird Science. It's a groan-inducing film about two high school nerds who use a computer program to create what they hope will be the perfect woman. I think the screenplay was written by two high school nerds. But it's the title that has always struck a chord with me. I mean, Weird science? Isn't that an oxymoron? After all, there's absolutely nothing weird about science, certainly not to an ethical scientist who can explain the way in which principles of science work. Science is not black magic. Ergo one plus one shall always equal two. The boiling point of water is 100 degrees centigrade. The speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. E equals MC squared, and so on and so on and so forth. That's the thing about science. It's absolute. There's no nuance. There's nothing open for interpretation. In the immortal words of Jean Chrétien, I don't know. A proof is a proof. What kind of a proof? It's a proof. A proof is a proof. And when you have a good proof... Okay, granted, that was somewhat awkwardly stated, but you get the gist. Oh, and by the way, I take back every mean thing I ever said about Mr. Kretschen in light of the ongoing torture this nation continues to endure under the leadership of Prime Minister Blackface. Anyway, the point is that a scientist is truly the polar opposite of a politician. Most politicians change their opinions and policies on the fly, like so many hockey players doing a shift change while the game's in play. The end goal of the politician has very little to do with actually doing the right thing, and it has very much to do about amassing political capital. Job one of the politician, after all, is to get elected. Job two is to get re-elected, rinse and repeat. But a monkey throws a bone in the air, and suddenly it's 2021, and here we are confined in a biosphere of the bizarre one that is supposedly lorded over by science. But in reality, it's more like weird science thanks to that thing that will not leave, aka the coronavirus. Indeed, in the past 12 months, we've witnessed a kind of when worlds collide collision involving the realms of science and politics. This has not proven to be a good thing. You see, for about a year now, as politicians release edicts such as cruelly locking down the economy and mandating mandatory face mask rules and social distancing edicts and all the rest, the constant refrain is that they don't really want to inflict all this misery on us, but that they must. It's in the name of science, you see, and so it is that virtually every politician of every political stripe has repeated over and over again that he or she is being directed by the science and that we, the great unwashed masses, are fully expected to follow the science and listen to the science 
Oh, and if you don't follow and listen to the science, well, in the words of Ontario Premier Doug Ford, you're a Yahoo. And in the words of Manitoba Premier Brian Pallister, you're an idiot. I wonder which politician will double down by referring to the anti-lockdown types as idiotic yahoos. As we've chronicled for months now, if you do not heed the so-called science, like if you decide to gather with family members for Christmas dinner, or if you decide to venture outside in Quebec past 8 p.m., well, these are super spreader events, don't you know? And the state shall ensure it bashes a science lesson over your thick numbskull head to the tune of, say, $880, or perhaps even more moolah, or maybe a prison stay is in order for committing such egregious crimes against humanity, such as, oh, reopening a restaurant or deciding to do some mask-free shopping at those chosen few retailers, such as Costco and Walmart, because evidently there is some science somewhere that somehow chronicles that it is far less risky to shop with hundreds of people inside a big box store than going to a small mom-paw shop that caters to just a couple of customers at a time, like Claudia's Closet or Noble Toys in Bolton, Ontario. You know, folks, both these little shops have actually been sent letters from the Attorney General's office threatening the owners with imprisonment should they ever have the temerity to open their doors to people who actually want to shop there. Why? Well, it's because of science. Yeah, science. Or is it weird science? Jeez Louise, who the heck saw this coming? If you were to saunter into a bank with a face mask on a year ago, that would have resulted in the manager pushing the silent alarm button. Today, you walk into your local CIBC without a mask on and head teller Karen McCarron is going to scream at you as if she were a banshee caught in a leg hole trap. Ooh, this new normal is something else, isn't it? Who knew given all that facial masking out there that Billy Idol's great ballad, Eyes Without a Face, would emerge as an oh-so-appropriate anthem for those of us living in the not-so-roaring 20s. But I digress. Because, you see, I am a big fan of science. Honestly, the glory of science is that it is so absolute and unforgiving. Science is the gold standard of truth. Tune into an episode of Forensic Files if you require a proven proof. But these days, when it comes to science in the eyes of political types, and even in some cases, scientists and doctors themselves, science is fluid. You know, like gender is these days. Oh, sure, Bruce is sporting an Adam's apple and five o'clock shadow, which makes him really resemble a man, but... Since Bruce identifies as an asexual, non-binary, two-spirit, lesbian unicorn, then Bruce shall be referred to as such as he goes about securing a spot in women's wrestling and then proceeds to clean the clocks of biological females. Oops, did I say he? Gotta be careful given the pronoun police out there, folks. So I humbly apologize. I meant to say that Bruce's pronoun is... 
zzer, zay, zippity, doo, da, and sometimes why. And so it is that just as gender is now fluid, well, science is kind of fluid too. Well, at least when it comes to the Wuhan virus, this is especially the case when politicians appropriate science because politicians must always do the politically correct thing, meaning that truth is always the first casualty. Indeed, during this pandemic, how many times have we seen politicians politicize science so that it fits their narrative, ultimately, ultimately making science, well, <laughs> unscientific? Case in point, I referenced Premier Ford's infamous bunch of Yahoo slur that was uttered last April when anti-lockdown protesters began pr gathering upon the lawns of Queen's Park clearly violating the science that pertains to social distancing and gathering limitations. If that's the way Premier Cherry Cheesecake is gonna roll, so be it. And yet, in the weeks that followed, we witnessed even larger gatherings of people who were part of Black Lives Matter demonstrations. They too congregated at Queen's Park. Hey, same pandemic, same place, same time, right? And what did Marie Antoinette, or I mean, what did Premier Ford have to say about those BLM demonstrations? Yeah, no slurs to hear here, folks, because apparently the Wuhan virus is super intelligent and is a staunch social justice warrior, meaning it gives a pass to racial injustice protesters. It would never infect those SJWs, but alas, it despises anti-lockdown protesters uh, for reasons that continue to elude us, but I'm sure there's some sort of explanation that has to do with science. More recently in Hogtown, we have seen small gatherings of generally peaceful protesters at Young Dundas Square, people who want to go back to work or go back to school or reopen their shops. And this, is how police responded. Protesting is not an essential reason. If I don't I have the right to speak what's on my heart? Mainstream media has decided to sit this one out. Nothing to see here, folks. This is Toronto. This is not North Korea. Officer, why are these protesters not allowed to protest and people like you took the knee for Black Lives Matter in the summer? I'm not going to leave a communist country to my kids or anyone else's kids. I know the mainstream media is not here because they probably support censorious thugs like you. I know people need to see this. People need to see this. If you don't give an ID, that, that'll be obstructing. You can't be arrested for that. That's fine. I've always wanted to go to jail. So are you saying that media is not exempt? Can you, can you say that on camera? Media is not media exempt? Media is exempt, but it's uh, like C24 and stuff like that, right? Oh, damn you, you yahoos. Don't you know there's a pandemic afoot? Even standing alone on a street corner is dangerous. So disperse, disperse, disperse for your own safety. It's all in the name of science. 
And yet, check out this photo of the same police force in this same city when it came to a BLM protest. Yep, nobody was fined, nobody was ticketed. In fact, the cops, including the chief at the time, actually bent the knee in solidarity. Again, science only applies to certain protests, you see. Indeed, check out this front page photo in the Toronto Sun just three days after that egregious crackdown of civil liberties at Young Dundas Square a week ago Saturday. People were being ticketed and arrested for failure to maintain two meters of social distancing. But look at this Toronto Transit Commission streetcar. There's not even two centimeters of social distancing going on in that hermetically sealed city-owned and city-operated vehicle. So where are the cops? Where's the ticketing? Where's the violent takedowns? Oh, I almost forgot. This is public transit and the socially aware Wuhan virus, much like Toronto City Council, is really gung-ho when it comes to the ongoing war on the car. Thus, Mr. Wuhan virus would never, ever infect those Torontonians who are doing their civic duty by taking public transit and resembling a bunch of sardines in a tin can in the process. <laughs> Capiche? But in reality, this is the problem vis-a-vis -vis political correctness when politicians preach science. Science goes <laughs> right out the door. Even worse, what is one to make of those bona fide scientists who bend the knee to political correctness? For yes, there are indeed scientists who believe that the principles behind science are not absolute, but rather intermittent and fluid. Case in point, check out this jump the shark tweet from Jennifer Nuzzo, an epidemiologist at Johns Hopkins University back when massive Black Lives Matter gatherings were occurring. Quote, we should always evaluate the risks and benefits of efforts to control the virus. In this moment, the public health risks of not protesting to demand an end to systemic racism greatly exceed the harms of the virus, end quote. Is that clear, class? Dr. Nuzzo seems to believe that while the virus is dangerous, it is far less deadly than racism. Well, if that's the case, let's forget about all those COVID crap provisions that are making our lives so miserable. And instead, let's ramp up the social justice programs that demonize so-called white privilege. Hey, you lead the way, Doc Nuzo. I mean, you may as well retire your lab coat, given that your street cred as an epidemiologist has all but vaporized due to that single idiotic tweet. Then again, folks, what if she's right? Maybe there are more deaths that can be attributed to racism than the coronavirus. So how about we reopen the economy so that people of all races and religions and skin color can get back to work and actually earn a living as opposed to following the stay home edict and vegetate courtesy the orders of Dr. Doug Ford. I mean, seriously, look, we know the Wuhan flu is almost exclusively lethal to the very elderly and the very sick. And don't get me wrong, their lives have meaning too. But the point is this virus is very picky when it comes to who it targets for a death sentence 
Is there really any merit when it comes to penalizing the relatively young and the relatively healthy for a virus that has a recovery rate between 97 and 99.7%? COVID-19 is not Ebola, not even close. Now the question arises, what's worse than a politically correct scientist? Well, how about um, an incompetent one? Remember this hot mic moment in December involving a discussion between Ontario's two top doctors, David Williams and Barbara Yaffe? I don't know why I bring all these papers. I never look at them. Oh, you give the numbers I do. I go, oh, oh, oh. I said that. Did she really say that? <laughs> I just say whatever they write down for me. <laughs> That's why I do Oh, way to go, Einstein. Yaffe would appear to be less a doctor and more a parrot. And hey, I hate to be impolite to Dr. Frankenstein, I mean Dr. Yaffe, but who exactly is they? And please, folks, refrain from passing Yaffe some papers stating that the law of gravity has just been repealed. This automaton might actually think it's true and jump from the window of our ivory tower in the tragic, wrongful belief that she will simply float back down to earth like a wayward feather from a seagull. Still, Yaffe is a ham and egger compared to numero uno medical guru in the US. I speak, of course, of Dr. Anthony Fauci. Do you remember how about a year ago, Fauci warned people not to wear a mask, that doing so would result in more harm than good? And then weeks later, he did a complete 180 by telling people to mask up. And now he's been advocating double and even triple masking based on what? A hunch? Geez, what new level of hell does Dr. Fauci want us to descend into? I mean, it's brutal enough trying to understand the clerk at the local Petro Canada wearing a single face mask while standing behind a plexiglass shield as he asked you if you'd like to play Encore with that 649 quick pick. But imagine the horror of trying to have a conversation when everyone is going around sporting three mouth diapers. Wow, we're talking Charlie Brown teacher territory here. And say doc, where is the actual science indicating a triple wrapping of non-medical masks will do more harm, will do more good than harm rather. You know, I pray for my American friends that Fauci is a better doctor than he is a baseball pitcher. Dr. Anthony Fauci. So it is that the Wuhan virus world in which we live, decisions are not being governed by science, but well, intermittent science. Indeed, science is only truly championed when it is politically convenient and politically correct to do so. But alas, when one merges science and politics, what you end up with is a combination of political science and weird science, and there's nothing scientific about that. Stay with us for more.
folks, well, how surreal is this? I'm David Menzies, and I'm hosting the Ezra Levent Show. And who's my guest today? It's Ezra <laughs> Levent. I mean, I'm losing track of reality. And, but it's with good reason. You see, the big boss man himself came down to the protest, the Yahoo Nation protest, the anti-lockdown protest in Toronto on Saturday morning. And, uh, well, we spent about five hours, I think more than five hours, following the protesters. There was good news and bad news. The good news is the police modified their behavior somewhat. The bad news is I don't think Toronto really is as free as it should be. And without further ado, Ezra, what did you make of witnessing the police and the interaction with the protesters firsthand? Thanks very much. And first of all, thanks for hosting the show this week. And I just want to tell folks, obviously, I'm here in the studio. I'm working on finishing up a new book. And just the hours a day that I spend on the show and other things, it just wouldn't get done. So I really appreciate well, you filling you. in for me. But I'm just a couple doors over, so I will be popping in every day to say a quick hello. And I appreciate the viewers waiting for me. I hope that the book is worth your wait. And my goal is to finish it up this week. So I just want to get that out of the way. Um, I went down, first of all, thank you for going down for 10 months in a row <laughs> for these protests. And I've watched it with great interest. I either watch the video we produce, or sometimes I try and follow it in real time on my phone. And last week was so disturbing, like 10 days ago, it was so disturbing to me to see what can only be called police brutality. Yeah. And the absolutely shocking video, not just of you and our other journalists being physically pushed, but the insane arrest and physical brutishness shown by Toronto police, it truly is reminiscent of what we see in Russia these days with some of their political policing. So I went down on Saturday to show my solidarity with you and the others, but to witness with my own eyes what the police were gonna do and to talk to, if I could find any, commanding officers to let them know with great clarity that if they touch our team, they will get a legal reaction from us. And this is, we've already sent them a legal demand letter. We've sent lawyers letters warning them. Um, so I was there to see with my own eyes how bad it would be or wouldn't be and to talk directly to the cops. So I wasn't there really to report. I didn't have a mic. I mean, you've been doing a great job for 10 months. I was there to watch the police. And to my mild surprise, mm. they seemed to have pulled in their talons a yes. bit. Now, partly because it was more a marching protest than a static one, I think. Um, so after we, we spent about five hours there, uh, I mean, I got some great exercise. <laughs> I enjoyed <laughs> As that. As did I, yes. <laughs> um, but I went home and my worst fears were not realized. That said, I don't think that the police department has properly addressed their past violence. Yeah. I don't think they've knocked you around physically. No, and, and I, I was very fortunate that way. And they also addressed what was, let's be honest, uh, Ezra, a lie going back a week ago Saturday where they said uh, essentially freedom of the press has been suspended at Young Dundas Square. That miscommunication yeah. was clarified about 48 hours later. Yeah. And uh, you were very adamant that we were going to cover this come hell or high water. Yeah, and when I first presented at uh, these various locations, I would look and, and find who appeared to be the most senior officer. It's hard to tell sometimes because how they were dressed, and yeah. I am not an expert in the different uh, uniforms. Right. But I did find some uh, people who seemed to have the age and stature and rank. And um, again, to my mild surprise, 
They were very pleasant. They were not aggressive in their language. I mentioned to several senior officers that their stance of 10 days ago saying free press was suspended, <laughs> they acknowledged that that was incorrect yep. and that they've corrected it. Um, I told them that if there were any assaults by their people, we would sue them. Uh, and I didn't say that in a threatening way. I just said, be on notice. Uh, I, I also said, by the way, don't do that to other people too. Yes. But I was there to make sure our team was fine. And it looks like our team was untouched on the weekend. Um, but let me, can I share a couple other anecdotes just while I was down there? A hundred percent. And by the way, we should point out Kellyanne Wolf was arrested again and I, under dubious charges. She was, I guess, the ringleader. And once she was gone, the, the march sort of marched off on a nameless direction. You yeah. experienced Yeah, that. it sort of zigzagged around. It yeah. was good exercise. But uh, <laughs> here's a few um, observations I made okay. that I probably wouldn't have made just watching things from home as I usually have done. Yes. The first is a shocking reminder of the decay of Canada's greatest city. Mm. And when I say greatest city, it's the largest city, the richest city, the city of the head offices, the media and banking center. It's the fashion center. Toronto, I mean, I'm a Calgary boy, so I have a rivalry with Toronto. But by m most measures, you would say Toronto is the greatest city in Canada. It's the fourth largest m megalopolis in North America. It's a, it's a, it is an outstanding city by m some measures. But yeah. to see its decay, yeah. we're there at Young Dundas Square, which is like the Times Square of Toronto. Correct. And we see all these cops ready to take on anti-lockdown protesters. And the first thing that happens is a guy comes up and asks me and one of our journalist Alex, where's the works? The works. Oh, and yes. Alex thinks, oh, that's a hamburger a shop called the works. And he says, oh, and the guy says, no, 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 no. It's a shooting gallery, man. I want to go shoot drugs. Yeah. He said that. And we both were shocked. And then we see another lady on the ground just planting herself right in the middle of Young Dundas Square and setting up all her gear to start shooting drugs right there. Yep. And I swear there were a dozen police cars and 20 or 30 officers right there. Yep. And she was right there. 100%. So my first thing was shock at that. Then we walked to, uh, we, uh, on our journey, we walked by Trinity Bellwoods Park, which is a beautiful, large park that's much beloved in Toronto. Yep. Uh, not by me after what that right, dog did to right. me. <laughs> but it goes to that. And I saw all yeah. these tents there. Yeah. And we walked by other parks that I don't know the name of. Yeah. And they were, t and these are not campers. No. These are vagrants, uh, homeless people. Some of them have mental illness. Some of them are, need help more than scorn. Yeah. But whatever the, the case is, and, and we should be generous to people who are sleeping outside in the cold. That's obviously not what they want to do with their life. But that has turned the parks of Toronto into dangerous places and you yourself were attacked by a dog. Yep. And the reason I mention that is because Mocha, one of our journalists, he said, well, I live in that building right there. So there's all these young people in Toronto who live in these tall, tall towers and they don't have a backyard, obviously. If maybe they have a tiny balcony, in many cases they don't. So they're in a small, expensive apartment. The restaurants are closed, the bars are closed, the gyms are closed, the stores are closed. But the parks cannot be used by them either because they're physically dangerous. What do they do with their lives? How do they get exercise? How do they meet people? Where, where do they go? 
and yet they are being harassed on the street for being in a cluster of five people. Unless you go to Costco or Walmart. Oh, yeah. That's the one outlet they're allowed to go to. So I saw all these contradictions, and I, I don't come downtown that often in Toronto because my life is more um, in the burbs. To see the decay and the hopeless, to see boarded up storefronts, especially for restaurants. Um, I was driving by our favorite place on Eglinton West, all those Jamaican and Caribbean barbershops. Yes. Just that brown paper in the window. Oh. You know when you, that yep. brown newsprint, uh, it's not newsprint, it's just the paper that says, we're shut down. Barbershop after barbershop, restaurant after restaurant, to see the destruction of this great city and the police not attending to any of these issues, but going after the lockdown protesters. It was a very depressing day for me. It, it said, you know, and, and Ezra, we spoke about this on our walk. What is uh, the substance, substance of a great city, whether we're talking Toronto, New York, London, it's the restaurants, it's the shops, it's the theaters, it's the movie complexes, all of which are shut down. Um, many, Kitty Corner to Young Dundas is the Pickle Barrel Grand. It, to this month, it was going to celebrate its 40th anniversary. Mm. It's gone for good. Mm. How many more and of these probably businesses? 200 jobs to go with oh, it. Oh, easy. Mm. And, 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 you know, the one image I had of the, um, and, and I think my, my wife would have gone crazy observing this. While we were marching along Bloor Street, there was a shoe store. And there was a lady in pretty nice clothes. And she was there for the curbside pickup. Mm. But, of course, you're not allowed in a shoe store. You can go inside a, a Costco or a Walmart and buy your shoes. And they had this little wooden bench where she sat outside in January in minus nine weather trying on new shoes. Oh, my God. And I thought... For her health. <laughs> for her health. And I'm thinking, and, and, you know, and the poor shoe, I'm not blaming the shoe store. They've been ordered by, you know, uh, the yeah. likes of Tory and Davila. This is the way the new normal works. Mm -hmm. But these images, uh, Ezra, that's what struck me as so disturbing. Yeah, it was, it was really miserable. Uh, this dreary, I mean, listen, January's a dreary time. February's yes. a dreary time in Toronto and much of Canada. But... It's the life of a, of a city is always its people. And where do people meet? Well, if they're not already in families and friends, you go out somewhere. Or that's maybe where you meet new family and friends, <laughs> new friends rather. A restaurant, a bar, a club, a social gathering, a church, uh, a food bank. You know, actually the food bank, I walked by one of them, it said closed on it. Um, the life of a city is where the people gather and commune with each other. That's the source of the word community. Yes. We are together. And that is being destroyed. And it makes me terribly sad. Now, I, I do see, because I follow things on Twitter, for example, I saw Kirsty Nome, the governor of, North, of South Dakota, was at a, an enormous rodeo, actually. Thousands of people wow. this yeah. close to each other, <laughs> like at any you know, music concert. I saw in the crowd one person wearing a mask. Great, wear a mask if you want to. And I thought, my God, there are other... And Florida, same thing. Yep. All the schools are open. All the shops are open. There's no lockdown order in effect. And I thought, there are, are you, we don't have to live like this. There are other places, South Dakota, Florida being the best, where they're not living like they're under ho house arrest, where they're not living like prisoners, where their police are focused on criminals, not innocents, yep. where they're treating sick, peop sick people not quarantining healthy people. The way we're living in Canada is madness, and it doesn't have to be this way. And yet, especially in Canada's greatest city, I'm afraid that is the new brand of Toronto. 
the most paranoid, scared, confused, dreary, hopeless, lockdown city in North America. And, and Ezra, it should be pointed out that some of the residents in Toronto support the lockdowns. And by that, folks, I'm going to run a little clip here of what happened on Saturday. Ezra and I had broken off uh, from the rest of the group. Uh, it was Mocha and Efren that were on the scene for this. As the protesters meandered through downtown Toronto, people in high-rise apartment buildings that didn't agree with the anti-lockdown message, well, they not only hurled obscenities and gave the middle finger, they actually threw garbage and ice from their balconies. Check this out. And Ezra, the disturbing thing, I had a conversation with Efren, our ace cameraman and film editor. The police, after that guy got hit, and Efren believes he was actually concussed, they were doing everything they could to say, please don't press charges, don't press, just, just move along. And Efren discussed them and said, hey, listen, you've got a case. What do you make of that? Yeah, well, again, treating innocent people like guilty people, yeah. but letting guilty people run, whether it's someone from balcony throwing, that's, that's assault with a weapon. Of course. We saw, I mean, it was a bit of a celebrity case, that girl who threw a chair off her yes. balcony. Yeah. And I'm, I'm obviously against that, very risky. But she was put through a, a number of trials, a number of hearings on that. And here, the police more, were more attentive to peaceful protesters, guarding, marching, scolding them but had not a word to say about an actual crime that they witnessed with their own eyes and that was caught on film. That's upside down policing. That's the kind of policing that destroys the respect and support of a community. Yeah. Policing only works if it has the consent and support of the people. And I think one of the, the worst transformations of Canada in the last 10 months is to watch the police go from, as the Mounties motto is, maintain le droit, stand, up, stand for what's right, support the, the right, support the law, to run errands for mayors, attack the people, be snitches, be like the East German Stasi in terms of yes. inspecting non-criminal behavior and yes. criminalizing it. Um, I don't know why any police are involved in health matters to begin with. They never have been historically. Uh, under all the legislation I see, the role of police is extremely limited. Mm -hmm. Only when there's not to serve an order or, an, or to give a, a ticket, but only in the case where like there's a typhoid Mary running around infecting yeah. or, or only in the most extreme circumstances and even then with a court order. But as you point out, the worst part of it all is that a significant portion of Canadians are fine with it and even seem to be going further. This, these are the worst of times. Yeah. It is indeed a very dark vibe in this city of my birth, Ezra. One last question. You're coming back this Saturday, boss. Well, I think uh, I'm, I'm interested in it. Okay. Um, the most important, like you're doing a great job reporting, and I'm, I don't want to step on your toes in that. My, my primary interest is to make sure our people, you, Mocha, the rest of our team, Efren, are not touched. I mean, I'm not, I mean, you've done a great job, and frankly, if you, want, if you ever want to take a break on a weekend, feel free. <laughs> That's okay. But what else am I going to do? <laughs> it was of grave concern to me, uh, just like it was when uh, you and our team were pushed off from the Toronto City Hall Plaza. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I felt that 
um, as, as the president of Rebel News, I had a sp special corporate and legal obligation to go down there to make sure you guys weren't roughed up. And I'm glad it didn't happen. I might come back next week if it looks like that's another risk. Well, I'm glad you did come. And folks, if Ezra doesn't come this Saturday, it's my loss. I'll tell you, I spent more than five hours walking the streets mm. of Toronto with Ezra Levant. It kind of felt like a father-son fishing trip. Who is the father and who is the son? <laughs> I'm not going to say. <laughs> Although, given that it was January in double-digit minus figures, an ice fishing trip. Uh, but That's we right. will be there to cover it. we got to keep an eye on the shenanigans because you know the mainstream media. They're sitting this one out. Keep it here. More of the Ezra Levant Show coming up right after this. Hey, folks, thanks so much for tuning into the Ezra Levant Show. Tomorrow, my good friend Sheila Gunn-Reed takes the helm. In the meantime, stay sane.